we're all here trying to figure out how we keep ourselves safe and some of the behaviors, practices, inner dialogues may be more or less helpful in certain circumstances, but it's figuring out how we set up our environment as best we can in such a way that's going to support us thriving. You're listening to the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast, the show that blends science and heart to bring you evidence-based tips and tricks for cultivating a healthy, wealthy, and meaningful life. Now, here's your host, therapist, yogi, and fellow full-life balancer, Dr. Caitlin Harkis. Hello there. Welcome to Wisdom for Wellbeing. My name is Dr. Caitlin Harkis, and this is a really unique episode. You are going to be hearing from my friend, Kate Matthew. And you're not just going to be hearing about her as in I'm interviewing her. We are actually changing the dynamics of Wisdom for Wellbeing. Kate is interviewing me for this episode. Now, this episode is born out of my reflection that we are coming up to the 100th episode of Wisdom for Wellbeing. We are nearly at such a significant marker in terms of the podcast life, the hours, the investment, the wisdom that's been contained in these episodes. And Kate suggested that she interviews me so that I could get a chance to sit on the other side of the mic, so to speak, and so that I could have the opportunity to, in a guided manner, reflect on this show, you know, this podcast and what it all means. So (laughs) I agreed. Now, this wasn't scripted. And in fact, we didn't even have a series of interview questions. Kate messaged me on Friday night, we recorded it Saturday. So it is, I think, pretty raw, but in a way that I hope feels vulnerable, that feels real, and that's useful for you. Kate is a brilliant interviewer, a brilliant clinician, and I will hand it over to her now. Well, hello, listeners of Dr. Caitlin's podcast, but obviously I am not Dr. Caitlin. So my name's Kate Matthew, and I'm a friend and colleague of Caitlin's. And she was talking about the podcast and uh, wrapping up the year being Christmas. And I suggested um, that actually maybe she should be interviewed um, because you've been interviewing all these amazing experts. Um, but of mm-hmm. course, you are yourself as well. And I, I think your listeners probably want to find out a little bit more about you. Um, and I certainly would be grateful again to always listen to your insights. <laughs> So thank you for giving me my first opportunity to ever do a podcast. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Kate, and thank you for this. I know we we kind of decided on it last night, which is a fun um, message to be sending around on a Friday night, and here we are on the Saturday doing it. Um, and listeners, while Kate has the confidence to sit on this side of the mic and interview me, it's, it's lovely, and I'm hopeful that it will warm her to maybe in future um, <laughs> being interviewed. 
contribute ourselves because we are colleagues. We do work together and I love Kate's work as well. So this is an honor that you wanted to have this conversation. Well, I did miss the memo though that it was video as well. So yeah, hence the t-shirt. <laughs> which Kate has kindly um, offered as an exposure exercise for herself, which, Absolutely. you know, and, and part of what I'm sure we'll be chatting about is, you know, all the skills, the strategies that are offered in this podcast series that we would both offer in individual group therapies, anything we kind of do as clinicians, it's all human stuff, isn't it? You know, we use this stuff. We use skills and strategies and frameworks and understanding to get by and to create lives that that we really enjoy every single day. It's not that there's anything, I guess, um, voodoo-y about this stuff. Like it's really practical, isn't it? Very much so, very much so. And Absolutely, we are like everybody else and um, hopefully we practice what we preach um, because everyone goes through difficulties and it's always a really good idea to learn how to care for ourselves. Absolutely. And as, as we kind of think like reflections wise, I started this podcast and now I'm like, what year was that? Was it in 2020 or 2019 when the pandemic kind of started? I, I can't believe I can't remember, but I feel like that's a really important historic I don't think event. Anyone can remember the last three years? <laughs> yes, it was three years. Yes, because it was. So I started the podcast just before the pandemic hit, and I remember googling video platforms that I could record interviews on, and finding out about this thing called Zoom, which is like hilarious, isn't it? And I had the free Zoom account that I recorded podcast interviews on. And it was as the podcast episodes started to air. So it was January where the episodes started to air. And more and more, we started hearing about COVID. And some of those early episodes were then interviews with individuals who were experts, you know, um, doctors, immunologists around COVID, which is actually really interesting thinking back that I remember at that time, we were all wondering, oh, when will there be a vaccine? How will we get through this? And now we're kind of finding our way out the other side, which is interesting timing. So how's it been for you doing the podcast? I don't know how you fit it into your life. You're a very committed clinician and researcher and mum of two. Tell me a bit about the experience. I I suppose I love it. And I didn't know I was going to love it. It was really kind of born out of this energy around going, why, why doesn't everybody have access to this stuff? Why don't we all have access to basic sort of frameworks and skills that we can use to make our life a little bit easier? And I won't pretend that it's a replacement for um, one-on-one therapy or for other modalities that individuals might engage in in their lives. But I do really believe that we all deserve access to basic tools and strategies I would have loved access earlier in my life. So that was sort of the motivator. And then I discovered that I loved researching different frameworks and interventions and then having these conversations with experts and real like wisdom holders in the area of wellness. And I found that incredibly profound. So it really balanced. Yes, there are, um, there are challenges around getting the episodes together and getting them out. And certainly there's a time commitment to it, but I found it really rewarding and it's really suited, you know, I guess my drivers, when I think about what's values-based living for me, and a lot of it is around, education and knowledge and wisdom building and sharing and compassion and how we connect as humans. And I think that's really 
the ultimate gift of these episodes is that there's there's wisdom there and there's humanness there. Mm. You've managed to have some amazing experts in the field, um, some really, really well-known people who have um, joined you on the podcast. Mm. Um, any uh, reflections, learnings? Um, oh, that we have so human. Yeah, yeah. I suppose, you know, we can have these real halo figures around individuals that are experts who've done incredible things in terms of research, um, bodies that they've built, therapies that they've developed, how they present. And they're humans. I think that's been the really beautiful thing. And humans who are incredibly generous with their time, incredibly generous with their sharing. And really want people to thrive in their lives, really want people to navigate the suffering and the challenges that come with being human through to a place where they can live a life that feels really vital to them. So some of these guests have been so beautiful in sharing their challenges, both on air and just sharing, you know, general quirkiness, general humanness. And I've loved that. I've loved that we've had stuff ups over times, you know, that we've had missed interviews and had to reschedule because like life has happened. You know, someone has slept in, someone's missed a meeting. It's been me as well. (laughs) In truth, there's, there's been some glitches on my side and we've all kind of found a way through that, that there's these airs of perfection or someone sitting up on some mountain somewhere and not having the, the human challenges. They're kind of wiped when you actually sit and talk with someone. And I've loved that. And mm-hmm. I hope listeners, I really hope that you felt that in these conversations. Well, certainly as a clinical psychologist, you know, these people that you've spoken to, um, I have read about, I've read their research, I've learned their therapies and implemented their therapies. So to actually hear them in your podcast has been amazing for me because it absolutely shows their humanness. And I think we forget that. And I, I think it's really lovely for people to know that people who are in the field are passionate and we, we are, we are learning this stuff for the common goal of wellness. Yeah, of wellness and ultimately probably from the place of suffering, you know, that probably a lot of our motivation in this field comes from that we've had, you know, struggles and challenges in our lives and we've been looking for ways to navigate that. And as we find solutions, strategies, skills, we go, oh, I wish more people had access to this. And then this can be our driver to move um, into this area as clinicians. And I even, you know, when I look back at my journey to becoming a yoga teacher, that was my experience. I showed up on the mat going, oh, I don't know what this is, but I need to stretch a little bit more because my knees are hurting when I'm running. Organized stretching will be great. (laughs) I won't do this on my own. And that was what got me onto the yoga mat. And then I had this experience where my mind sort of slowed down a little and I was able to tolerate myself a little bit more easily because I had one of these tricky brains that listens, I know you know what I'm talking about, that can beat you up and tell you all these horrendous things and is really unhelpful and problematic. And when that slows down and perhaps quiets enough that you see a gentler and kinder side start to emerge, like that is incredible. Mm. It's profound. And, you know, the yoga mat is one avenue to find that space. Um, meditation, mindfulness that, you know, you are very much an expert in Kate and therapy. These are other avenues to cultivate ways to relate to this tricky brain we have as Paul Gilbert refers to it. 
And it was there that I was like, oh, well, I want to be a yoga teacher because like, imagine being able to support people to find this calmer side, this kinder side. And then when I was teaching yoga, I had students coming up and sharing with me that it was supporting them in managing like struggles they'd had for years with anxiety, with mood, with real distress in their lives. And since I had the exact same experience, I was like, well, what's going on now? I must go study psychology. (laughs) (laughs) So that was kind of the platform. Yeah. Yeah. So we met when you were toward the end of your PhD. Mm. Um, would you like to talk a little bit about the research that you've done? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, just like to highlight as well. So I was really privileged to get to engage in Kate's mindfulness-based cognitive therapy training, which is how we originally met that I, I got to be a student, you know, in in your group and what you were teaching. And that really resonated and I think informed a lot of my therapeutic work from that point too, because the more modern cognitive behavior therapy interventions, mindfulness-based acceptance and commitment therapeutic-based, that really has informed a lot of the work that I do and how I see the world, like it really resonates. And it paired with my research because my research was looking at yoga as an intervention for stress. It was called the Yoga for Stress Study. And I looked at whether an eight-week group yoga sort of therapy training could support individuals in navigating stress, distress about symptoms of anxiety and depression in their lives. And I wasn't surprised when we found that it could. You know, it improved people's what we call positive effect, which is just general mood and decreased negative effect, which is low mood. So people were generally feeling more joyful and less of those more uncomfortable emotions that are part of being human and are very appropriate in our human experience. And it's nice to sort of see a rebalancing in that and a sense that people could manage the stressors, the pressures in their lives, even though nothing outside of them making the effort to get to the yoga mat for an hour a week, that was the change. And it had all these ramifications, including, now I'm going to nerd out a bit, in individuals' blood profiles. So we were looking at epigenetics which is uh, a marker that tells us how individuals might be responding to stress at a real cellular level. And we saw changes in individuals' epigenetic profiles as a result of these practices too, which I think is incredible because that's, that's something that's at such a deep level and something that we sometimes forget we can transform. And when we make a change in one area in our lives, it like affects many systems in our bodies, you know, our immune system, our hormonal system, you know, our endocrine system, Mm. you know, it's just incredible. Yeah. And we were sort of briefly chatting before when we were talking about this and you talked about, I guess, the, the body and how, and the, the body's role in, uh, suffering Mm. often. Um, in terms of evolution and how we've developed. Could you talk to that? Yeah. So what what often happens is, well, not often, (laughs) all the time. It can be like a phone call. It can be an email. We have this stress response to triggers in our environment. And we didn't evolve for this environment, right? We didn't evolve to be sitting here with a video camera and lights and this mic in front of us. We evolved to be able to survive and to procreate in 
more primitive times, like times where tigers might have been chasing us and we needed to hunt and gather and really stick close as a clan, as a group of people really invested in each other's survival. So we evolved for those contexts. And now when I get a text message or when I see something on social media that I find distressing, I have this autonomic nervous system response, which is to say my whole body tells me a tiger is coming towards me and I need to like fight, flee or freeze. And so we have this nervous system response and that can be really challenging because what we need to do ideally is come back to baseline. That response creates what we might call an allostatic load on our body. It creates wear and tear that can affect not just our psychological health, but our physical health. And of course, the two are bi-directional, interconnected. We can't necessarily change what our triggers might be, albeit in therapy and in different you know, mindfulness-based, yoga-based practices, we can affect that. And one thing we can really directly affect is how quickly we can swap back to a relaxed state, how quickly we can cultivate what we would call a parasympathetic nervous system response, a rest and digest response. So those skills can be learned on the yoga mat, in mindfulness practices, in therapy. And knowing that I think is really helpful for folks, like knowing that you actually don't get to control some of these responses. I went to a Christmas function last night for a group that I do um, some public speaking for. And I was talking with another speaker and we were talking about how we both get incredibly anxious before any of the public speaking we do. And this is a group of um, those of us who are employed in some ways, like contracted to public speaking. We do it a lot. You know, I've, I've um, been involved in some public speaking competitions essentially. And, you know, I know that I can do it and I don't know that I get the choice in terms of how my nervous system responds. Like I am forever running to the toilet thinking the world may cave in in terms of how my um, physiology is responding. And it doesn't always predict how, and in fact, it to date has not predicted how these things have gone. But I, I work with this body. I've got to work with this mm. body. Just like listeners, you have to work with this body. Kate, you work with yours. Like this is humanness. And in a way, part of being human is suffering. Mm. And it's figuring out how we navigate that, how we hold that lightly and still cultivate a life that is meaningful. So the epigenetic stuff is a marker of how we influence change in our systems mm -hmm. through these lifestyle practices that that we can step into at any point in time with maybe a little bit of support and i think what's really important about this as well is that hopefully people uh, through learning about this stuff can actually start to change their own dialogue that actually maybe this isn't my fault yeah it's not my fault mm -hmm. it's my body it's through evolution um actually maybe we can even be kind towards some of those uh parts of our systems because you know they really have helped us in the past mm. and now we've got a lot of information out there to help us navigate what is real threat and what is threat that we can change which is where you know we're incredibly grateful for your research mm -hmm. and your clinical practice because that's what you're teaching us all yeah. is how we can change that. And I love that you talked about like these parts have tried to keep us safe too, you know, this concept and it's, um, 
I guess said that there's no bad parts in a way, you know, we're all here trying to figure out how we keep ourselves safe and some of the behaviors, practices, inner dialogues may be more or less helpful in certain circumstances, but it's figuring out how we set up our environment as best we can in such a way that's going to support us thriving. You know, how do we deliberately cultivate a version of ourselves that we can feel proud of Mm -hmm. and that is moving us towards a life that does bring us joy alongside the natural challenges? Yeah, yeah. So as we know, you do these podcasts, you've told us a bit about your research, um, but you're also an incredibly gifted uh, clinician. Um, Would you like to talk a little bit about some of the work that you do? Yeah. I mean, listeners in some ways probably like seen behind the scenes in terms of the microphone sitting here, right? Like it's, it's a lot of this in more individual terms. So you know, the practices that I tend to hold in therapy sessions are more modern cognitive behavior therapy forms, acceptance and commitment therapy, mindfulness-based interventions, schema therapy, which is dealing with the lenses that we hold, you know, the way we see reality is based on what we've been told our experiences are and kind of the stories we might infer or be told directly that may be more or less true. So there's these different interventions we can use to start to check in on our version of truth (laughs) and figure out how we navigate these internal experiences, these external experiences in a way that's effective. So that's a lot of the work that I do in session. It's all, you know, I think it's all aligned with my heart and in consort with clients to ensure that it does feel holistic in nature. I I don't believe that we get to just make change in one area or that we can change our thoughts or something and that that's all we need to do. I think a lot of the work and the processing we do needs to be deeper. A lot of the information that clients of mine have heard in the podcast is really useful and can give them frameworks and strategies. And um, definitely folks will show up in session and kind of share, oh, this was really useful or I really would like to know more about this. So we kind of individualize then what we talk about in session so we can go a little bit deeper. So I suppose um, I suppose this is like the tip of the iceberg and then we go mm-hmm. into the um, one-on-one kind of magic that happens yeah. behind closed doors, as you know. So you've also been very generous in you do group work as well which is such a great way, I think, to people to access uh, this information, this type of therapy. Um, And especially, you know, uh, throughout COVID times where access to services is really difficult to find. Mm -hmm. Um, So you providing your group work as well, I think has also been really, really generous of you to do. Yeah, I love groups. I really do. And I think that a little bit speaks back to, you know, I came to psychology through yoga teaching originally. So I think there's something about group dynamics that I've always just enjoyed the energy and the connection that sits there. So yeah, the groups that I run are acceptance and commitment therapy based in terms of psychoeducation and strategies. And we work through these different pillars to cultivate something called psychological flexibility, which is essentially our ability to respond to what's happening internally, like our private experiences, what's happening externally in a way that's effective. 
then we pair it with some yoga at the end because yoga is just this um, experiential playground in terms of how we then actually apply these psychological flexibility skills and strategies. We can do that on the yoga mat as well. Everything in the therapy room, everything on the yoga mat, I like to think of it as all practice, skill building for them when we go out the doors and into the world, right? You know, it's all very well to move our bodies in some sort of gymnastics, but if we walk out the doors and then start, you know, honking our horn in traffic and having a little bit of a meltdown when someone's not um, not moving the way that we would hope they would, it's not necessarily going to improve the quality of our lives in the way that something that's really deliberately skill building is. Mm. And of course, I've done the honks myself. So yeah. it's a nice reminder of our humanness <laughs> and when we need to get back to our practices. Yeah, absolutely. So um, what you're saying about practice is really, really important. And I'm sure your listeners are aware and perhaps experientially learning this as well, because they'll be listening to what you're offering in your podcasts and then maybe taking that out the door with them um, and starting to sort of apply and practice um, all of these teachings. Um, And what we know is what we practice gets stronger. Mm. So uh, hang in there, guys, because, like, you know, I've done the meditation thing. I'm a mindfulness-based cognitive therapy teacher and it is practice. Um, But, of course, practice is really hard to do. It's hard to maintain. Um, where I think the podcast maybe hopefully is really, really helpful for people is that it provides that um, platform of offering some motivation and hope that to do this work is really, really rewarding for somebody in terms of their wellness and being able to navigate uh, current distress and, of course, distress that we are most likely going to come into in our futures. Absolutely. Yeah. And that like continuous, when you say motivation too, like when we're listening to something regularly, I think it helps us kind of keep exploring these pathways. And that's one thing I've really found quite delightful about the podcasting process is it's constantly um, inspiring me to dabble in different areas and then to see things in a slightly new light. Like when we collect new information, when we have new strategies, everything changes. We're really systems sort of spiderwebby individuals in some ways where we kind of pull in one area and it shifts everything else. And when we talk about environments as well, I hope listeners that you're motivated to kind of shift your environment as much as everything else, like really get clear on what in your environment is going to support you to build a life that's meaningful and purposeful for you. And a lot of the conversation recently has been around, for instance, neurodiversity, like recognizing that just because something is what we might call typical or, you know, this is the way it's normally done, it doesn't mean it has to be the way that you do it. You know, we want people to be cultivating environments that are effective for them, strategies that are effective for them and recognizing that we are different, you know, as individuals, we all sit somewhere on various spectrums and that's beautiful. That's okay. There's real acceptance. And I think there can be real delight in that when we start to move away from conversations and laboring, labeling around disorders and deficits and actually going, oh, like how do we accept that our humanness does not mean we're a human exactly the same as this other person. We can have very different neurobiological wiring and that's okay. And there's evolutionary benefit to that. 
Absolutely. Yeah, we were talking before a little bit about that too, that, you know, when we think of ourselves in terms of survival, we're like a species that needed to survive, right? So having individuals that are really able to like focus in on the hunt, for instance, and kind of let go their need to toilet, their need to eat, their need to think about anything else except for following the prey that's in front of them, that is of incredible benefit to the clan, to, you know, our survival as a society, as a tribe. So individuals who have that attentional ability to hyper-focus and exclude everything else, to lose track of time, amazing in that context, yeah. right? And then individuals who can spot patterns, who can really like read these processes in a quite a literal way and kind of exclude other things that are happening around them. Like also, that's incredible. How could we categorize the different berries that might be really useful for us, other things that might be really toxic? Like there are such things incredible, incredible things that our brains can do. And if we know what our strengths are, maybe we can create an environment that allows more um, support of these strengths Mm -hmm. and limit some of the areas of challenge. And where there is challenge, have acceptance for that. You know, we're not going to be skillful in every area and that's okay. What do we need to do to mitigate these areas of struggle and really invest in our areas of strengths? It's really sort of highlighting to me that maybe this definition of normal has been incredibly unhelpful and and needs a change because normal is that we all do have different tricky brains. Absolutely. Um, And I think normalising distress, mental health, all of these sorts of things that we bring to the table sometimes in our lives, most of us in our lives will experience things. It's really important to normalise that this Again, it's not our fault. Um, It's not our fault. And we are tasked with doing something about it, (laughs) you know, which is this challenge and and this environment when we say like, you know, normal is like some weird sort of construct, like none of us are are normal per se. The environment we're living in is not normal. We are not meant to be living such isolated lives, you know, connected mainly by screens. Like we are meant to be sitting here in connection with other individuals. And I wonder as we kind of move to the end of the year, to the hundredth episode of Wisdom for All being if maybe these are like the key points of wisdom that none of us are normal (laughs) that we all suffer you know and maybe there's wisdom in kind of going and with this in mind how do we create connection relationships in our lives that are meaningful how do we find vocational work in our lives that is meaningful and it doesn't even have to be the paid stuff you know this podcast episode is something um that kind of encapsulates many episodes and just something that's generally joyful for me to share as much as I've put in deadlines and there's time that goes into it like this for me is something that's really purposeful Mm -hmm. and I imagine listeners and you know just like you Kate like we all have things that are purposeful that give us a sense of contribution and connection and we just need to figure out what they are and how we run with that absolutely and sometimes we need to find people who will help us do that 100%. So at this point, I think I'd like to say that um, you are the definition of um, embodying all that you've learnt, all that people have learnt over the years and uh, where we are now, where it is definitely about tapping into wisdom, not just of the mind but of the body as well. And this has been your significant contribution um, is being able to work body-based um interventions into therapy 
because it's so important to everything you've talked about in in terms of you know how do we turn things on in our body how can we learn to turn things off in our body when it's not helpful Mm. um so um listeners uh as uh knowing caitlin quite well as a friend and colleague um hand on heart she embodies everything that she teaches and knows about um, including her vulnerability which is really lovely and refreshing for I think um, professionals and clinicians to be able to do uh, because we are no different to anybody else Um, so thank you so much for the offering of the podcast that you've been giving us all of this time that's kind Kate it's it's really special to get to sit here and to talk about that together and also to hear those kind words because Kate is amazing and you know you um you've been such an influence in terms of my professional practice and really like when we talk about vulnerability like I definitely met Kate at a tricky time (laughs) and to have someone who was working in such a way that I aligned with and showed up with such genuineness it it really offered me a safe refuge and this is where finding our people is so important so listeners you know keep reaching out connecting checking in with people and whether it is heading to your local cafe and saying hi to folks heading to a yoga class connecting in with your therapist connecting in with groups like finding people that you can build community around as we move in through the tricky holiday season that for some is a time of delight and for others really a time of struggle and even where there's delight I know there's stress and there's pressure you know we have always both sides I think it's a reminder that while it doesn't necessarily need to be in really formulaic um, Christmas lady ways connection is important so listeners thank you for being here and connecting through these hundred episodes, you know, of wisdom for well-being as we kind of come to wrap up the season and take a bit of a break. And Kate, thank you for thank you for listening, being part of this and suggesting such an interesting, an interesting change of change of interview um, modalities for me or um, yeah, a way of a way of sitting on the other side of the mic, so to speak. Well, it's good exposure therapy for both of us. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm not used to doing something like this, certainly not unscripted. And um, I guess, yeah, you're normally on the other side of the microphone. Yes, this has also been unscripted. And I think, I think listeners, I hope it was okay. (laughs) And I hope that you got to see some of our awkwardness and weirdness and humanness in this because we are all in this together. So listeners, happy holiday season. And Kate, thank you as well. Happy holidays to you too. I'm so honored to be here with all of you (laughs) well that was a bit of fun wasn't it it was really fun to have this conversation with Kate and to sit on the other side of the mic I hope that it was useful for you and that it might serve you as you consider your humanness and how you build a life that is vital and meaningful for you as we conclude 2022 and head into 2023. If you go to drcaitlin.com, I've got a lot of resources there for you, guidebooks, guided meditation, like a host of free stuff that you can download at your leisure, as well as being the housing point for my Yoga Brain 101 course, which is a burnout busting blueprint all online infusing yoga 
with acceptance and commitment therapy. I hope it's really useful for you. You can also head to wisdomforwellbeing.au to learn more about the therapeutic work that I offer. So that's individual as well as group therapeutic interventions. I would love to connect with you at some point in some format. So always feel free, send a message, send an email. Thank you for being part of this journey. And thank you to my wonderful friend, colleague, Kate Matthew, for performing um, such a fantastic interview. I think she did an excellent job. And of course, in terms of connecting with Kate, she is more elusive in terms of uh, website domains and the like. However, she has told me recently that she is getting a website. So when I get that, I will pop it in the show notes. If you go to drkaitlin.com, um, I'm sure very soon we'll have Kate's website up there and of course she consults with me here in Adelaide based out of the station consulting room so you can also send me an email and I can connect you to her thank you all happy holidays happy new year and how wonderful we're celebrating nearly 100 episodes together wishing you well bye for now Thanks for joining us this week on the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast. Please visit drkaitlin.com to connect, find show notes, other episodes, and to subscribe. While you're at it, if you find value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating or perhaps simply tell a friend about the show. Wisdom for Wellbeing is not a substitute for professional, individualized mental health treatment. If you are in crisis, please contact 000, your local emergency number if you are outside of Australia, or attend your local hospital ED.